Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women in science, technology, engineering and maths or STEM an opportunity to share honestly and openly about what it's really like working in these typically male-dominated subjects. Each week, one woman shares her stories and experiences. She could be a public figure, the girl next door, or someone from a far-off land. The point is she'll be deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we're not distracted by the details of her achievements, her labels, or what she looks like. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, also a woman in STEM. I studied mechanical engineering and ended up as a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation over the years. And through my television work, I've met some incredible women from a diverse range of STEM fields. And you know what? I've been more amazed about what I've learned from these women when the cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. These women have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us. And it's that off air honesty that I'd love to share with you through silence. This week, my guest, is a physicist. Hi, how are you? Hi, <laughs> I'm great, Jeannie. Um, I like in the intro the idea of turning the cameras off and then the conversation gets started. Yeah, I mean, it's actually been quite amazing through my television work noticing how women just relax when they're not under cameras and lights and, you know, the spotlight essentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the idea that everything might be recorded and and taken out of context potentially um, in a in an age when everything can be spread so easily on the internet is mm. is nerve wracking. It just like you put a a filter on everything you say. Yeah, I mean, we have to be so careful as women because I feel like the fact that there's so few of us in STEM means that the ones that are in STEM become like the mouthpieces for our subjects. Have you ever found that? Oh, I've, I've, I've so found that. And, and, you know, what's interesting is that um, I feel like a woman in, among a small number of women in physics um, and, and like, you know, being in any room with a, a ton of guys, just a few women, you feel like whether or not people are actually scrutinizing you, you feel like you are being scrutinized because, um, and sometimes you are, sometimes like you certainly are, you're not being paranoid and other times you really are being paranoid. But the fact that, you know, you walk into a room and there's 50 guys in your physics class and no women, um, you suddenly think, oh man, like I, I either like they think I don't belong here or I really, really have to prove myself to show that I do belong here. So it's just like, it's like this subconscious stress that may or may not be rooted in reality. And sometimes it is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for a long time, I thought it was all in my head and I thought I was just making it up until actually I started recording these podcasts and I realized that so many women in STEM are very self-conscious because they are a minority, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think there's something about, you know, noticing little things like when the guys all go out after work for drinks or they're like, Hey, you know, they're like chatting in the hallway about their, about their research. Or, you know, when you're just a student, you're chatting about their classes and their problem sets and they've all organized to meet up at a certain time and not, you know, they've excluded you not on purpose. Like, it's not like they thought to themselves, we're going to exclude the girls. It's more just like they feel comfortable with each other. Um, (laughs) For whatever reason, uh, it's just the boys getting together. Um, and, And so you feel like, you're not naturally invited to a lot of things. And there's little things like that that happen to make you feel 
like an outsider. So how have you coped with that, being a woman in physics? It's a good question. I think I've found a few allies, to be honest. I found a few a few um, men in physics that I've made my good friends and have been like, hey, you know, make sure that, like, let's, let's get together, you and me, or whoever else is going to be there and work on things together. Um, I've, I've made sure that, you know, if that I can subtly or with a bit of humor make it clear, like, I want to be invited too, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and like, not in a way like, you know, not in a way that's like whining, like, you've excluded me, but more like, like, hey, don't forget me. And then they're like, oh, yeah, 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 of course, of course we will. Um, so t- finding a few friends, a few allies. And then, and then also, I think in the rest of my life, um, finding a lot more girlfriends than I used to have. I, I had a lot of male dominated hobbies when I was younger. I love, I was in the math club. I surfed. Um, I did a lot of things that were, uh, that just happened to have a lot of guys. And, and so I've made a concerted effort to have a lot more women friends outside of my work. And I think that's, I think that's helped balance my life a bit. Let's go right back to the beginning when you were a little kid. Did you know (laughs) from a young age that physics would be your thing? I no, I didn't. I didn't know what physics was. Um, my, I'm trying to think what I really wanted to be like a, um, like a, an actress or a singer or something. I was really into the performing arts and, um, and I think little by little, I realized that I, I sort of had an interest in everything, like across the spectrum. Uh, I was, I just wanted to learn everything. Uh, my like my career goals were like I don't know I want to be a performer I want to be a dancer like whatever, um, but my my uh, my interests started peaking in math first because I was just good at it I I think I had a um, I loved puzzles and I loved solving problems and math and science were sort of the school version of of doing puzzles and solving problems mm. so so I I saw a bit of a strength in those fields. And I remember my dad saying to me when I was a kid, like, maybe you'll go to one of the big tech schools one day, like one of the big tech schools. I was like, what's a tech school? <laughs> and, uh, and, and t- talking about being an engineer or studying science. And I, I was like, what's science? So I just, I had no idea. I really didn't know what I was going to be, what I was interested in, but I had a, like this, I think it started with a strength in math and liking puzzles and then being encouraged by my teachers and my parents. Okay, so it sounds like you were kind of naturally gifted. But did you have kind of any role models or people that inspired you to go down the science route? Or was it purely just based on natural ability? Oh, I think it was a um, a, a lot of different factors. Um, I think I had, you know, my parents were really encouraging of whatever I wanted to do. But they also... Um, uh, they took us to a lot of science museums. They also, I, I don't know if they weren't as strong in like history and reading or something like that, but I think that they, they saw a, a real benefit to, to thinking scientifically and thinking logically and, and sort of the way that scientists think, even though neither of them are scientists. Mm. Um, so they took us to a lot of science museums um, throughout our childhood. So I, I think my parents really did encourage this interest in science, even though they weren't doing it on, on purpose. <laughs> it wasn't like, we want our daughters to be scientists or engineers. It was more just, 
they wanted to make sure that we were exposed to that as well and encouraged to check it out and be curious. And science is certainly a good way to encourage curiosity in kids. So was it just kind of a a straightforward journey then from, you know, being good at STEM subjects at school and just going to university or was there any, did you experience any difficulties along the way? I don't, I don't think so. I think I had it pretty easy. (laughs) Fortunately, Um, I joined the math club, but I also joined, uh, you know, like the cross country team and, and I did mock trial and I did sort of all these different things. Uh, And I think I found that my strength was in math and and I enjoyed it and I enjoyed, I enjoyed all the other things, but I think I wasn't as naturally strong at them. So because of that, I, I really just pushed myself in math and, and so there I was pushing myself, but then I also had teachers that were super um, supportive and would tutor me if I, you know, like if I wanted to learn more outside of the classes, they would make time for me um, to sort of go beyond the curriculum. So I had really supportive teachers, really supportive parents, and I pushed myself and it made the path pretty, pretty easy. I'd say, I mean, I worked hard, but it was like, like I was enjoying it <laughs> up until college. And then it was really hard. <laughs> and so what happened then? Did you ever consider not going for such a mathematically heavy degree? I, I didn't. I thought, I, you know, in some ways I was like, physics is one of the most challenging majors I've heard um, and also it's, it challenges me and I wanted to do that I wanted to be like I want to do the hardest major I think that was part of part of like just pushing myself but also I liked it um, so I feel like there was a bit of like self-competitiveness and like doing the hardest major but it was it was paired with really enjoying physics so uh, yeah it was pretty clear and so all throughout you know, those challenges and stuff. Were you ever conscious of being female and somehow not fitting the stereotype? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm a, a girly girl. Um, when I was a kid, I, I was like, I was like a wannabe tomboy. <laughs> like I remember going through puberty and like starting to get boobs and I was like no and I like I've like had seen this girl in a movie like binding her boobs to pretend to be a boy (laughs) and I was like I'm gonna do that because I was a wannabe tomboy but then as I got older I was like you know I actually like wearing dresses and I like being kind of girly sometimes um so when I got to college and I was studying physics I uh I felt like I, I kind of was reverting back to that like wannabe tomboy thing. Like I was wearing like sweatpants and like big t-shirts to sort of hide being really girly and to fit in better or something like that. I don't know. I was like not wearing any makeup and things that I, I normally would do. Um, I would probably dress a little bit better normally or wear a little bit more makeup in public, but I was like playing down being girly while being a physics major. And I, and I feel like that was a bit uncomfortable. It was like trying to be something I was not, but, mm. but like standing out or trying not to stand out. But standing um, out. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's sorry. I, I misspoke. I meant, I meant like trying not to stand out by being something that I wasn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Because um, statistically girls have absolutely no reason to not do well 
in STEM, yeah. maths and physics. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, they hit an age around kind of puberty where they become extremely self-conscious. And yeah. yep. that self-consciousness compared to boys often makes them drop out of these subjects and they choose the arts. But it didn't seem to hold you back. No, I think I was a bit of an oblivious kid. um I like I I was so I was so self-conscious and so worried about what people thought but I also was like kind of oblivious to how I actually how I was actually perceived I don't know I think it saved me in a way like when I was when I was really little I remember thinking like thinking I was like so so like good at everything I did and so pretty. And I think like to some extent, every kid has a bit of this ego up to a certain age, but I really remember it thinking like, I'm so like, I'm so good at this, these things and I'm so pretty and like, oh man, it's hard. must be hard being my sister because she's not as good as me. And <laughs> I really wow. like, I had like a lot of self-confidence as a kid. And then I hit this point where I, where I then suddenly didn't probably around puberty. Um, and and I think that that affected more of like just my it just affected more of my like my relationships and my friendships outside of school and it didn't affect school at all like my school was so small and the teachers were so supportive that I think that sort of sheltered me from social social pressures impacting my school and my career right so yeah. it sounds like you prioritized your education above definitely oh yeah what was driving you to do that I don't know I was like I want to be like I I think that (laughs) I was talking to some friends the other day about how much of a rule follower I've been my whole life and like being so scared of getting in trouble and like people people told me like they did those you know drug prevention programs and I took them so seriously I was like I will never do drugs and then like they would talk about how you know getting um getting really good grades means you can go to a good college and that's going to help your future and put you in a good place in life. And I was like, I took all that to heart. I was like, all of these lessons that most kids ignore and they're like, whatever, like, what do adults know? They don't understand us kids. I was like, must listen to the adults. Like I I just had this, like, I don't know. It was like, it was like a complex of like needing to follow rules and listen to adults. And I, I think in some ways it held me back from like, I don't know, having a little bit more fun and like getting in a little bit more trouble to like in, in ways that kids should. Um, mm. But at the same time, it, it pushed me forward, especially in academics and I can get in some trouble now. <laughs> yeah. So, so what happened after you qualified was the plan to keep working in physics? Yeah. So you went to college, um, yes. maths yes. and physics were clearly your strong point. Um, what happened yeah, after that? Yeah. Yeah. After that, I, um, I wasn't, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. And I think, um, you know, I mentioned being a kid and being interested in everything, doing mock trial, running cross country, playing piano. Like I did, I did so many different things and I had so many interests that once I graduated, I was like, well, I don't, I don't want to narrow it down now, even just because I studied physics, I don't want to narrow down to just being in physics. Um, and I tried it. I did some physics, um, research and I decided, I didn't really, I didn't really enjoy it um, as much as I enjoyed just learning physics. Uh, so I did a few other jobs after that, and I eventually ended up in science communication. Were there any expectations of you as a physicist at university in terms of what you would do 
with those qualifications in your career? Yeah, I do. I do think I remember some pressures, um, especially coming close to the end of the degree and feeling like, okay, now it's time to make a plan for what I'm going to do with my life. Um, it's time to like, I've spent all this time getting a physics degree, so it, it would be great. Um, and I think people would, would, uh, uh, you know, especially my physics teachers would appreciate it if I went into something that used physics. Um, I think that I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, I went to a, a pretty good tech school. And so, so, so I remember, I remember feeling some pressure, it was probably just internal, but, but like, I remember thinking my physics teachers have put in so much effort, um, you know, in office hours and like all the support and all the mentoring. Like if I leave physics, I feel like in some way I will be letting them down. Mm. Um, and I found that that was so misplaced. Like they've all gone through paths that, that took them to places they never expected. You know, I had a physics professor who started out as a theater major. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you just, you just never know what, which way. And I think, you know, um, opening up a little bit about feeling pressures helped bring out their stories as well and their support. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I also felt like, you know, going to this, this pretty good school, a lot of other friends had jobs lined up that were really high paying were really prestigious. They're like, I'm going to be working at the top tech companies in the, in the country. And, and I felt like I was nowhere near ready for that kind of commitment or to even know what I wanted to do. And I felt like, like everyone was sort of figuring it out in my social groups and I wasn't. <laughs> so I felt pressure to like really do something with my life, but also to stay in physics. And I, I think it took me a little while to work through that. Yeah, that's an interesting kind of area because um, often a lot of the challenges that we face are kind of in our own heads. Yeah, yeah, totally. So were you saying that there was like a kind of period where you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do with your life. <laughs> yeah, not to yeah. sound dramatic, but I think, you know, because sometimes when we come out of university, there is that period. I certainly went through that as well, where I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know right. what will make me happy because I've just been focused on getting my degrees. So Right. And, and, and like, I was so in awe of people that came out and they're like, I'm going to go to med school. I'm going to become a dermatologist. I'm going to do like, they had all the steps laid out and they'd had them laid out since they were 10 years old. And I was like, how did, like, how did they do that? Like, I guess I could have copied them exactly and been like, okay, well me too. I'm going to be, go to med school and, and like be a dermatologist. But I think what was holding me back from that was thinking like, but that's going to limit me to just being a dermatologist. And then I wouldn't be able to like go, you know, invent some new product or I wouldn't be able to go like, you know, work in oil well someday. And not, not that I would want to do that ever, but, <laughs> but like just something really random and interesting. And I think I was afraid of committing to something that was going to keep me in a box. Mm, yeah. And so what is the best thing about what you do today or you may have a few things that are amazing. I think the best thing about what I do today is that doing science communication, you get to keep learning about a lot of different mm-hmm. things. So in some ways, yes, I've put myself in a box, but like I can bring a lot of other things into the box. I can bring a lot of toys and people and, and like things from outside of the field um, and get to learn about it and get to experience things. And I, and I think that's, that's me. I, I'm, I think it really matches me. And I think also you get to share your enthusiasm about physics because it's clear that you are 
really passionate about it. <laughs> and so yes. that's kind of infectious. So it feels like you found the right fit in terms of combining your skill set and what you love in your career. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, um, I don't know. I, I think when I was younger, I saw people getting tattoos <laughs> of like their favorite TV shows or their like, like music quotes or their like things that were really meaningful in my life. And I was like, I don't know what I would ever get a tattoo of because like every week it's a new interest. Mm. Um, but finally I feel like physics is the, is like the thing that I've, I'm so passionate about and I can almost fit all of my other interests in because physics is everywhere. You can sort of analyze the entire world of physics. So I'm going to get a tattoo right across my forehead that says, <laughs> I love physics. <laughs> oh gosh. If only this wasn't anonymous, <laughs> I'd right. love to see that. <laughs> um, I'm wondering whether sort of young girls who are listening to this and they're like really struggling through their physics um, studies are thinking, I'm finding physics really hard. And it's amazing that you are very kind of confident about the decision you've made to kind of use your physics to go into science communication. Where does that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. confidence and kind of self belief come from has it always been this high <laughs> that's funny um probably yeah I <laughs> I think I've, I've definitely gone through um periods of self self-doubt and I even even now like there are times when I'm like I I'm terrible at my job I don't know how I ended up in this job like I'm I'm not good at it it's not my strength um spe specifically communication but um, but what I've, what I've recognized and what it's made me, um, how, I think how it's made me connect more with a lot of people who say, oh, I'm not good at this field. I'm not good at that field. I'm not good at physics or math. Um, is that I really feel like I'm not good at communicating. Like it's not a, a natural strength of mine, but. I just want to like, interject I've... for the audience <laughs> and say, you are awesome <laughs> at communicating science. If only they knew who we are listening to right now. Um, people would be laughing because, I mean, you're so good at what you do and you've been so successful at what you do. And um, it's really, it's very humbling to hear you say that because, uh, I don't know, sometimes women who have reached certain levels of success can be very intimidating, but you don't have that air about you. You seem very grounded. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I feel like, you know, maybe in some ways this is a good lesson that like I have these doubts and I go through these periods where I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll cry to my boyfriend and I'll be like, why am I like, I'm so bad at this job. I'll never be good at it. Um, and so like, this is a, you know, this is a good lesson to women out there, especially young women that like, you can think you're not good at something and then to the outside world or to, you, you know, other levels of of um measures of success you really are actually quite good at it um so so you know there you go and i think that's that's sort of how i feel about women and girls who say they're not good at physics and math and things like that like i have gotten much better at communicating and the reason i've gotten better is because i've done it and so to say you know it's not my natural strength doesn't mean that i will never be good at it and the same is true of girls who go into math and science like just because it's not their natural strength doesn't mean they'll never be really really quite good at it and really successful 
Um, and that's what I've seen with a number of young women. They've decided, you know what, I'm not that great at it, but I really love it. And so I'm going to try it anyways. And I'm going to find people to surround myself with who are going to support me in that endeavor. And then in the end, they, be, they end up becoming, you know, incredible physicists or they end up, you know, going on to get their degree in physics. And, and they sort of just need to find that recognition that self-doubt happens all the time and everywhere. And you just, you just got to find what you love. If it's physics, go for it. <laughs> With self-doubt then is, is really the key to seek out that support because it sounds, I mean, you talk so highly of it. Do you reckon that's the golden ticket for anyone that's kind of struggling with believing in themselves i don't know i mean maybe first i'm pretty extroverted so so like for me it is important to have other people in my life that i you know talk through decisions with and find support and that could be mentors that could be just family members um other people really work through those things on their own so um as as a human being i think yes support is very important from other people but you know, as, as somebody who's particularly extroverted and likes to surround myself with people, I maybe need that more than other people do. Yeah, I feel that girls, well, males and females that go into STEM subjects, maybe particularly physics, but I'm not sure, do tend to be quite <laughs> introverted. I mean, it's usually a characteristic. Mm, um, yeah. Were you ever, were you ever an introvert? Oh, I don't think so. Um, I I tried to convince some friends recently that I was introverted because I I do I I enjoy my time alone. I spend most of my time alone. I I love you know being being at home alone or like singing and dancing alone in my room or or working on you know puzzles and problems alone. But but I really more than a lot of my sciencey friends, I reach out and I go visit everybody and I call them all the time and I make sure that I keep connected. And they're like, that's not the, <laughs> the sign of a, um, of an introvert. So I, I, another friend told me recently about this. Oh, what is it called? It's like a, um, it's like a combination of the two. It's like, like you're an, extroverted uh, an omnivore. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like a like basically you you have characteristics of everything. Like I'm perfectly happy being by myself, especially you know in the evenings. Like I want to go to bed early. I want to watch like you know maybe a TV show, read a book, and go to bed. Um, and then other times I want to go out and and enjoy a night out. But I'm I think I'm more of like a daytime extrovert and like a nighttime. Oh introvert. gosh, that sounds <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah, because I love being out during the day, and I'm <laughs> such an early morning person and. I'm yeah. so excited when yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the sun rises and I want to do stuff. And then at night, I just kind of want to curl up and be all cozy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I feel that. So on that note, then, what does having it all mean to you? I think having it all for me means having a really good, healthy balance of, of a career that I enjoy, but also a, a social life that is completely outside of my career and hobbies that are outside of my career and um, things that are not just trying to push my career forward and relationships that are not meant to support my career, but are meant to just be part of the human experience. So having, having a healthy balance in your life, I think is for me is what having it all means. Yeah. Cause I think some women that end up in STEM you know they've spent so long studying and then they feel like they need to get a career that justifies all that studying 
And before you know it, um, you know, they've just got older and older and it's very difficult to squeeze in sort of having a family and things like that. Not all cases, I mean, but I think kind of preconceived notions of that happening can put women off going into STEM. Um, Mm -hmm. What's your kind Mm -hmm. of perception of that? I think that's hard for a lot of women. Um, I, I have a number of, of friends that are, that either have recently had kids or one that whose due date was three days ago. So I'm eagerly ah. waiting for her baby to come. Oh. But, um, but she was talking about um, some serious worries in talking to her other professional female friends who've had kids and how they say, you know, after, after having kids and like the, the maternity leave for six weeks or three months or whatever it is. Um, they don't want to go back to work. Mm. And she was, she's really worried about this, um, this feeling of like, you know, I've always been so career driven and so, you know, basically selfish, like, but I've always been so, um, thinking about my career, like what I can contribute to the field and so forth. And she's also a physicist, but, um, but what she realized is, that a lot of the women who don't want to go back, they are just enjoying the break in addition to having the baby and this new person in their lives and new challenge. But like they've pushed themselves for so long Mm. that they've never stopped to take a break. They've never, um, you know, really been like, I'm going to take a whole three months off and just focus on, on something in my personal life. And that is something that's is so rewarding and really makes you reflect back on what's important in your life. And having a kid, I think, forces a lot of women to do that um, in a way that they hadn't for so long building up this impressive career. So, so I think it's, I think, you know, not having, I don't, I don't think having a child is the only reason you should take a break and reconsider your life and think about yourself and your personal life. Um, I think it should be done more often. Um, I'm hopefully, I've been thinking a lot about taking like a sabbatical or something. Um, I'm early in my career, but I think, you know, like you get so focused that you kind of forget what path you want to take. Mm. So, so I think, I think it's an important thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just your your enthusiasm for physics is making me forget that the numbers of women in physics are pretty low because your <laughs> your like your, yeah. your love and your just your vitality for the subject is kind of like infectious and i'm like oh no everything's fine like everything's great in yeah. physics there's no gender imbalance this is amazing and but the reality is that there is a gender imbalance and um Women, women don't take this subject. Why do you think that is? Well, first of all, I, you know, it's funny because every once in a while I'm like, I love physics so much. And I, I feel like, yeah, we're fine. Like girls are into physics. Look, yeah. look at me. But I then go back to a physics classroom and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. It's still yeah. not great. <laughs> There's still only, only guys here. Um, I think, I think a big part of that is, is not, um, not necessarily like these, traumatic events where girls are told by their teachers that physics is not for girls or like they're not great at it. So maybe they should think about something else, which does happen. And I've heard a number of stories from women about some, about, you know, being discouraged in an extreme way. But I think more than that, girls are not encouraged. Like it's a whole, it's a society, society wide problem that girls are not thought of as natural mathematicians and physicists and and within the stem fields you know there's this big push to be like 
hey, girls can do physics. Like, let's encourage our young women to go into physics and math and engineering. But that's not happening outside of the STEM fields. Um, and, you know, there are millions and millions and millions of people who are not scientists and engineers and who are not part of this community. So they are, you know, they're not part of this sort of wave of encouragement for girls. So I think I think we've we've got to really reach outside of the STEM community to encourage girls in STEM. As a woman that speaks out about physics, have you ever suffered from that discrimination? Not personally, um, particularly not during my degree. More, more yes, as uh, since becoming a science communicator. I mean, there are things like, wow, I never expected a girl to know physics or, um, or sort of just degrading comments about being a woman that makes you want to leave the field, but it's coming from outside the field. I think I was, I was very lucky to have not uh, directly um, observed any sort of sexism directed at me. It's more just, you know, getting getting excluded from things or feeling like I'm the only woman, woman in the room, so this is a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but I did observe it, you know, from my female PI being at a national lab and she's, you know, running her experiment and some older, some older uh, professor at the lab tells her like, you know, there, this is why we really shouldn't have women running the experiment. As soon as anything goes wrong, he would say things to her like that. Um, and I, I have had a number of undergrad women tell me stories about, about their professors in high school or in college in the first year or, or later being like, you know, this is not really for you. Or when they're applying to grants being like, you know, I don't think you should really apply for that grant because I don't think you have, you know, strong enough resume to, to receive it. And then, you know, the girl's going on to get a physics degree or to receive the grant and proving them wrong. But like, I, th- I think these are particular stories where they didn't listen to the discouragement mm-hmm. But there are many, many more story, stories where women do listen and, and don't apply for the grant or, or don't go on with the, the major. So, uh. It sounds like you're the type of personality that wouldn't take those comments too personally because, I mean, being a science communicator, you must get all kinds of comments. I mean, <laughs> it's, you're, you're putting yourself out there <laughs> to receive that. So how do you cope with that? Because I'm getting the impression that it just um, falls off you like water off a duck's back. Is that really what happens? Uh, yeah, I, for the most part, I would say yes. I think like every once in a while, like there's one comment out of thousands or there's, um, or there's you know, sort of the, all of the negative comments together wear on you, but but like, for, I think that I'm, I think that it bothers me a lot less than it bothers, than it would bother most people. But that doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that like, we shouldn't, you know, because like, you know, oh, it's hasn't bothered me as much. So I'm, so like, you should just try to be like me and not let it bother you. And that's how you get through it. Like, I don't think that's the way we should go about this at all. I think the issue is from the people who are leaving those mm. comments. And it's not, it's not a responsibility of the woman receiving them to to become stronger and to like to protect themselves from the comments. I think that no matter how sensitive a woman is, she should be able to go into math and physics. It should be on. I feel like there's this, this conception from certain people, like you've got to have a thick skin go in science, but like a lot of people don't have thick skins and 
And like, there are a lot of sensitive people out there that are totally wonderful and reasonable people. And being sensitive is not a negative characteristic, but it's being portrayed as a negative characteristic in STEM. So that's where I get frustrated. Like, like, yes, I think that it doesn't bother me as much. And that's probably helped me to be successful, but that's not going to help us to get more women in STEM. Right. I mean, there, there might be women listening to this kind of jump jumping up and down at their <laughs> their their podcasting device um where they're just kind of going yes i have re- i'm very sensitive i'm hypersensitive but i'm also yeah. good at stem um and then just going but it hurts like i'm yeah. constantly being told that i shouldn't be here and that whole thing with the imposter syndrome and oh yeah yeah i'm just wondering what women can do is there like a is there a magic wand that you can wave so that it doesn't affect us so much Ugh, i don't i don't know i mean i think like you gotta you gotta build up some confidence or some tools to to build up your own confidence from a young age and so that support really needs to be Mm. there from when girls are young but um but I, I mean, I would still reiterate, like, building up a thick skin should not be a prerequisite for going into science. I really believe that. Yeah. What do you mean by um, that? What I mean is, um, I've heard this sentiment from a number of senior scientists that's like, you need to be able to take criticism. You need to have a thick skin. You like, you need to be able to be competitive. And when people criticize you and come at you and tell you like, this research is no good, you just buckle down and you you like make it better and you stick it out and I've I've seen that sentiment um so often um and I don't I don't believe that's the way we improve a culture of of scientists um I believe I believe more that you know encouragement and criticism that has nothing to do with the scientist's ability but more to do with their research um and in a way that's constructive and it's not uh, i I just i'm just imagining scientists that are that are disparaged for their work and it's not just women it happens to men too i just went to a phd defense where the the committee was just a bunch of oh how, can I swear? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> oh my God. It was just a bunch of like old assholes. They were so mean to this person. And this was the, you know, he's, he's not a particularly sensitive guy either, but he was a bit flustered by it. And I think it made his defense go worse and made him feel worse. And, and were he a more sensitive guy, that might've been the point where he was like, you know what, this is not worth it. These people are awful. I'm leaving physics. And and a lot of the people on that committee, a lot of those dudes would be like, you know what, that's because you're really not cut out for this. You're not, you're too sensitive. And I don't think, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's the way we're going to get good people in science and have a, a like positive, creative culture. I don't think it's the way we're going to improve science. It doesn't do anyone any good to sit there and criticize and, um, and, and like ask these questions that just are meant to make you look good and make the person up there look stupid. Mm. Ugh, yeah. This is frustrating. I, I'm kind of, I'm of the mindset that science and STEM and STEAM should be what it was in the beginning, which was like curiosity, wonderment, yeah. um, discovery, exploration. Um, 
And it's kind of gone down the route of becoming more about ego and competition and things like that. And I just, um, I wonder how we can get that back. How do we change an entire sort of mentality um, to be less elitist and more uh, inclusive, I guess? Yeah, I think part of it is that is that we we encourage a lot of different kinds of people to go into science, and then we slowly show the faces of scientists as a really diverse group. As you know, it's not people who are who take themselves incredibly seriously, or who are or like one type of person. You know, we want people who are really quiet and really loud and really funny and really serious and just across the gamut of personalities. Um, you don't have to be any one of these personality types to be good at research. You might have to be one of these personality types, like sort of serious and, and, uh, and have a, a, like a lot of confidence to make it through science as it is today. But that's never been, you know, like being good at research has never been, to my knowledge has never been correlated with being like a really serious person mm-hmm. with really thick skin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I that's why I kind of preferred engineering to physics, because um, mm, with yeah. engineering, it is about kind of failing experimentation, um, prototyping. It's a lot of like yeah. guesswork and gut feel compared to physics, which yeah. can be yeah. highly theoretical. Um, yeah, I feel totally. like the culture needs to allow more for failure. I, I would totally agree with that. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, there have even been studies that have shown that that like the research results that we end up with are not the best representation of good research because we constantly have to publicize positive results for our experiments, and so we end up with a lot of like false positives. And it's also peer reviewed, so a bunch of people that have already done research in your field have to have to all agree with your findings so yeah it's kind of like if you were to find something new your work might not be published because it doesn't it isn't in alignment with what everybody else before you has found yeah yeah I kind of get I mean obviously I get that but it also leaves no room for lateral thinking and just brand new ways of seeing things I don't know I agree. (laughs) So I have to say, after speaking with you, I just feel like I want to study physics. (laughs) Um, That I can do anything I put my mind to. I just have to like believe in myself and um, get loads of supportive people around me and I will be fine. (laughs) Do you think that that's, would that be the advice you give to anyone that would love to study physics, but they're kind of scared that they may not be capable? Yeah. And I don't think that, you know, the, all the responsibility falls on those people or those kids. I think, you know, the advice I would send out is also to parents and to teachers to be like, Hey, remember to encourage the girls in your lives to study physics, to try it out, to try out science, and then to talk to you about the things that they find fascinating within those fields. Um, So I think, you know, I'm often asked to give advice for girls. Like, what would you tell a girl who wants to go into physics or something? But but I think, like, the advice also just as often needs to go to teachers and parents that could have a very, a very a profound impact on those girls. Yeah, and I think also having listened to you, it feels as though you've really followed 
uh, your heart. Um, you followed what you're good at and you followed what you love. And the result is you're living a life that you enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I think it's also, I think it's also important to find your happiness in sort of whatever you're doing. Like I, I worked for a little while as a software engineer and I think a lot about going back at some point to physics or to engineering and, and I would be perfectly happy. And I think that it's important to, you know, people always say like, follow your dreams, find your own path. But there can be so many different paths that you'd be happy at. I think it's important to just find a way to be happy within whatever is available and whatever you end up choosing. Do you have any worries? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, I worry. You know, I feel a little bit burnt out in my current job. Um, I, I do love it, but we didn't even get to that. I feel a, a bit like I'm burned out. I I worry that I'm not, you know, that this may not last forever. I worry about what I do next. I worry about, oh God, so many worries. <laughs> but I also, you know, it, it comes in waves. It's like some days you worry and some days you plan and some days you are completely unproductive and you feel like a, a total failure. And other days you're like, today is the day and you make it all happen. So it's, I think everyone's got those ups and downs and I, what I'm learning, what I'm constantly teaching myself or, you know, learning from other people around me is like, it's totally okay to fail and it's totally okay to allow yourself to fail and to feel like if I'm failing, there's a reason I need to take some time and just chill out and relax and figure out what it is and address that first before I address the immediate failure. Yeah. Cause I think women, that do go into STEM, you know, they're clearly bright mm -hmm. and capable. Um, but often what comes with being so smart is having extremely high expectations of oneself. Yeah, absolutely. Possibly even perfectionism. <laughs> I mean, do you have any relationships with those kinds of things? I would say, um, I'd say yes and no. I think I, I, there are certain things where I'm uh, definitely a perfectionist. Uh, I think, you know, every once in a while there'll be like a math puzzle or something. And I'm like, I have to figure it out and I'll drop everything in order to figure it out. <laughs> um, but, but at other times I'm like, ah, this is good enough. I think, I think college really trained me to, I think I was really competitive at high school. Like I wanted to get the best grades and I was really competitive with myself and my classmates. And then when I got to college, everybody was so talented. Everybody was so smart. And I was like, okay, well, I very quickly must shed this perfectionism or I will just, I'll never sleep or I'll, I'll never be happy again. Mm -hmm. So I think certain situations teach you how to shed your perfectionism. Yeah. And just learn how to sort of be um, probably a bit more balanced um, rather than pushing ourselves to the limit yeah I guess. yeah totally I mean I think the educational systems both in the UK and in America put a lot of pressure on students absolutely and I think that pressure is getting more and more um I'm just amazed at how much content uh students today have to learn oh gosh yeah. um, and so often there isn't really an opportunity to know why you're learning the things you're learning mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, until you get to the real world. So um, for any sort of like students who are like bogged down with their, the, the weight of their STEM studies, like, would you, what, how would you describe sort of being in the real world? I mean, 
do you use physics in your everyday life and how has studying physics helped you um, to be a real human? I think one thing that I've learned, this is not necessarily physics, but from having done the physics degree, which I think, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily learn anything useful in the class, but just have gone, having gone through the class, like, you know, you must learn life skills and study skills. Yeah. Um, So one thing I, I often suggest to students is, um, when you're in a class, and I think this can be pretty applicable to everyday life, but when you're taking a class and somebody has given you um, a syllabus and they're like, this is this is what we're going to learn this semester. This is what you're going to need to know, the material we're going to get through. Don't just accept that as what somebody else wants you to learn. Take that and look through it and write down your own questions and find your own curiosity. So basically drive your own learning. And I think this is something I've learned about um, about anything in, in life. Like if I want to, if I want to take a class or I want to learn something or, or somebody wants to like teach me something or I'm looking something up, I will often f- write down my own questions first so that I've already got the curiosity there. And then as you go through the class, you look back at those questions and you see, am I answering my own questions by learning the material in this class? And it, sort of keeps you honest, keeps you grounded in the real world, keeps you grounded in your own curiosity. And you're really going to be much more interested in the class and in life if you're asking your own questions and driving your own curiosity rather than letting somebody else dictate what you should learn. Mm. Wow, that's such a refreshing way of looking at things. <laughs> I didn't try it. I learned this. I, I sort of came up with this after I went through college. And now I feel like I need to take an online class or something to try out my own, <laughs> my own <Yeah>. strategy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just been so incredible talking to you. I, I honestly feel like I've been uh, infected with the physics bug. <laughs> it, <laughs> just, like, it, it just sounds so like, well, you sound very um, fulfilled by the work you do today and extremely knowledgeable um, in physics and just someone who constantly wants to keep learning, which is extremely inspiring because I think there's so much pressure on young people today to learn. And with someone like you in the world, it kind of, it reminds you of why we do all this learning and it's to evolve as individuals, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I love learning. I think it's also it's also important to remember to take a break from learning and take time for yourself. <laughs> yeah, and achieve some balance in life. Absolutely. Um, in all areas. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been incredible talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. That's it from my STEM guest this week. Gosh, isn't it so refreshing to talk to someone with such a positive outlook on life and someone that really has self-confidence and self-belief that's founded on hard work and determination. My guest has really inspired me this week to get out of my own way of reaching my fullest potential. I hope she's inspired you too. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave reviews and catch you next week on Silence.